You're now locked into Zone 32. Grant Durflinger, Jake Miller, the infamous Drew. Only on NeutralZoneInfraction.com. End Zone Infraction. Ladies and gentlemen, we're back. Welcome to another episode of the Zone 32 Podcast. My name is Jake. His name is Drew. His name is Grant. What's up, y'all? Steelers Week. Steelers Week 2021. Yeah, fuck those cunts. We lambasted them last year, and I fucking was, I think it was Max who's trying to say nice things about Dan Rooney, and I'm just like, yeah, fuck that guy. Shouldn't have bought the fucking, his dad shouldn't have bought the fucking team. Fuck those cunts. But anyway, we'll get into more of that in a few minutes or however many minutes or so. First things first, Brandon Williams is a man who's not very tall, but is a stout individual. Out the gate. Had a bad day against the Cincinnati Bengals and got fucking, he got pancaked, was it twice, if I recall? I don't know. I just remember the one where he absolutely just got dog walked. Yeah, I mean, that, it, it, you know. On the Pete yeah, Ryan yeah. touchdown. That was the Pete yeah. Ryan touchdown. But fast forward to this week against the other orange team in Ohio who does not eat chili spaghetti. Brandon Williams had a much better day, just clogging up the lanes, helping limit Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt to, was 40 yards rushing altogether as a team? Yep. Not good for my fantasy team because I had Nick Chubb, and I was like, come on, man, just give me something. Just give me something. As long as we win, as long as the Ravens win, then fuck it. Just get your little dumbass dump-offs and get tackled for negative yardage. Or one yard. Give me the cheap points. But that's neither here nor there. Drew, why should Grant apologize about Brandon Williams? Well, I mean, the 40 yards is pretty much why you owe him an apology. You've called him a $14 million paperweight on multiple occasions. Um, I don't know any paperweights that I could put, you know, over center and could hold probably the best running back tandem in the NFL, the 40 yards combined. Um, If you want to make fun of Brandon Williams for being a pussy, that's fine. You know, sitting out all those games with a shoulder injury, you know, doesn't have Earl Thomas there to get in his face and tell him to actually play in games and earn his paychecks. But when that man's on the field, people can't run. And, you know, it doesn't show up in the box score, isn't getting the tackles, isn't getting, you know, tackles for losses, sacks, but he is drawing two blockers on every play and is making everybody's life easier to blow these guys up in the backfield. So I think we need like a five minute apology from Grant and then maybe like a notes app tweet afterwards, you know, directed at Brandon Williams, letting him know that you're sorry for all the slander and that you understand how important he is to our defense. Well, I have called him a $14 million paperweight. Um, he, he does have issues playing when he's hurt. He did ball out against the Browns. I will give credit when credit is due. So I will apologize for one game, one game only, unless it keeps continuing on. But all in all, he, he, for the, the amount of salary that he's eaten up on, on the, you know, on our roster right now, there needs to be a little bit more. And I understand where a lot of it is hidden behind the game, you know, as a football guru myself, you know, understanding that, you know, sometimes you got to do the dirty work. You don't get the glory for it. Um, but at the end of the day, with what you have around you, you need to make something happen. You're not getting all the double teams. You know, Clayus Campbell hogs up a bunch of double teams. They do a lot of pulls and zones to get back to or to get to our linebackers. So they're le- alleviating a lot of the middle on that. He has he is a, a force in the run game. But at the end of the day, sometimes if you're not being consistent, like he, he used to be a absolute monster. Um, but I think the shoulder issue that he apparently has been having has been a problem. But, you know, he he shut me up on Sunday against the Browns. He did. I mean, it is a hands down the best tandem in football. I mean, 
it's two Pro Bowl running backs on one roster, and both of them are in full steam. So, you know, the fact that he completely alleviated that point in the game, he balled the fuck out, and I got to give him his credit for that. I'm going to clip this and send it to him and just say, hey, listen, every time you have a good game, I want you to tweet Grant and just say, hey, fuck you, I had a good game. This is for him. Yeah, yeah. I just had oh. to get that out of the way. You know, we're all, I'm all about holding people accountable for uh, their bad sports takes. So, Brandon Williams is uh, <laughs> an elite, elite, elite defender and needs to be paid his uh, respects. So. Well, to be fair, in defense of Grant, if I'm not mistaken, Brandon Williams has 14 tackles on the season. Yep. And $1 million a tackle. Oh, Just about. $13 million. Max, thankfully, hey. Max has not posted any of our old episodes where I was, you know, saying Earl Thomas had a point and Brandon Williams is soft and fuck him <laughs> and he should get on the field. You know, none of that audio. So I can't get uh, old takes exposed on that. Thankfully, I'm six one two thirty five, and I am fully confident that in 12 12- in 12 games, excuse me, 11 games, I could get 14 tackles in the trenches. I'm grabbing ankles. I'm tying shoes together. I'm doing something. But I'm getting 14 tackles. So we got to do something there. I mean, you know, keep keep eating up the blockers. That's fine. And freeing other people up. I get that side of it. But at some point, when you're eating up that much of, of a salary cap, you got to make more happen than being a one-dimensional player. See, what you're missing here is Brandon Williams is good at eating. I mean, that's why he is the size he is. You know, he's he can walk on his hands. He's, he's, he's nimble. Yeah. yeah, he's nimble, but he's good at eating stuff. So eat blocks, eat salary, just stop the run, and I'm uh, I'm happy with that. I was expecting, you know, multiple 80-yard touchdown runs from Nick Chubb and didn't see any oh. of those on Sunday. So I'm, uh, I'm very happy with that. The tight end did score, even though it wasn't a touchdown because the ball clearly hit the fucking ground. But once again, yeah, the tight end does sense. score against Baltimore. Yeah, you know that really should have been. I'm calling it a 16 to three win. Um, I'm not. I'm not recognizing that touchdown. It's. It's. You know. It's under protest by me. So that's right. Never happened. Never fucking happened. But neither. Either way. Yeah. I mean, to that point, NFL officiating has been horrific this season. You could really. I can't point to a single game where there wasn't a bad call or several bad calls by an officiating. Whether they be Ravens games, whether they be random games, or like the fucking. Thanksgiving game against the Raiders and Cowboys when they had 28 combined penalties and Ed Hockey Lee's son was just trying to show you how not Buffy is so he could just keep talking to the fucking CBS camera. But that's neither here nor there. It's epically bad. And like it gets bad every year, which I don't fucking understand because we have more technology now than ever. When like you can sit in a stadium and look on Jumbotron and see that a ball touches the ground or you're sitting at your house. They have the same access to the same replays. They literally look at the same fucking replays that we look at at home and at the stadiums. And the way that they can review a play and blow a call still is just, it's like, it's almost like the shit, like you either a have to, or you're like, you're being told to do it. Like there's an earpiece in there and they're like, Hey bro, we got to keep this game under wraps. Like, you know, whatever it is, something's weird. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but you just can't be that stupid and be a professional at your job and be that bad at your job. I mean, I was probably 12 beers deep at that point when that play happened. And I was like, that's not a catch that hit the ground. And I'm watching that on a jumbotron, you know, on the other side of the field. And I'm able to make that determination correctly. I feel like if you're watching it as a ref on a replay... They, the the blown calls on the, uh, you know, like the shitty DPIs or, you know, tacky holding calls, like I can live with those because those are heat of the you moment. Those aren't reviewed. Yeah, they're not reviewed. Like they're making that out as a live call. And I'm like, 
all right, like it, it's a bad call, but I can live with it because I'm watching it on TV from home, so I have 45 different angles of seeing that. And, you know, they're making that call from one angle. But when you on real something time. and still get – Yeah, when you review something and still get it wrong, it's like, wh- what are you doing? Like, what is the point of review if you're going to look over that play for – I mean, that was a solid, you know, five-minute review too. It wasn't like one of those quick ones where they went to the uh, – you know, the tent and came back and, you know, said there was no conclusive evidence. Like there was a full TV timeout. I mean, they did one of those stupid things where like people came on the field and tried to throw balls into the, um, you know, the big circles for like 50 grand from the Maryland lottery. Like it was a pretty long review and they still got it wrong. And I'm just like, I don't understand it. Like what is the point of review if you can't get it right? And why are there people in New York looking at replays if they don't get it right? Like who's, who's running that booth? Like, are these some, like, nerds, or, like, homeless people that they found in Central Park that they're just saying, like, hey, watch this, tell me what you think. Like, I don't know. I feel like you can go to any bar in America and just pull the bar, and you'd probably get it right more times than the NFL refs do. 100 times. Every time. 100% of the time. You it's, see what they it's, it's shitty because it's, like, it ruins the game in a sense. And not only are the NFL rules ruining the game, but the bullshit officiating is ruining the game, too. Every fan gets mad every game. There's always shit that you can say could have gone either way, but it's going to frustrate you because it happened on a third and eight. You get a first down, they call it back or like whatever. But they're messing up fucking epically. And like some of the rules have too many gray areas. Like what was it the Titans game? Was it um, Westbrook or whatever? When he, he scored that touchdown, he slipped, fell, got up, reached across, scored the touchdown, didn't get touched. But Vrabel had to throw a red flag for that. So if he would have scored – officially and it caught called a score they would review it anyways to see but because he wasn't ruled in he had to waste a challenge for the same exact thing that would have happened but it wasn't ruled a touchdown so like there's too much it just doesn't make fucking sense and they could have gave him the challenge back easily after looking at one glance on the jumbotron but there's just there's there's shit every time and it's always something and i don't know man i don't think it's gonna get better I mean, we were talking earlier, too, like that. The Ravens-Browns game was, you know, it was kind of flowing. Like, it was going pretty quick. You know, ball was going back and forth. And then they have that whole Levine fake punt that gets called back because the ref wasn't set. And then you get the too many men on the field, but they actually called a timeout. And then you get another too many men on the field. Like, that just totally killed the vibe of that game, totally killed the flow. And now you're talking about, uh, you know, it ended up to be a 16-10 to 10 final score. It really should have been 16-3 to 3 of just two – clusterfuck offensive performances and i that's that's got to be totally on the official because he places the ball and doesn't get out of the way so now you're calling back a play you're killing everybody's you know momentum there i mean the ravens get that fourth down on that fake punt and i feel like they go in and you know put up seven there and maybe we're talking about like a 33 nothing blowout on the ravens back what if that's in a super bowl what if that's in a playoff game like like in in a key in a key part of the game and you know what somebody's doing they don't just sit there and say you know, hey, you know, I'm going to just take my time here. Like, you know, like there's it's called a hurry up offense, like for a reason. And when you, and especially when, you know, as a referee, you have to know whenever offense makes a change, you give the defense an opportunity to make a change. Well, if the offense isn't making a change and they got guys scrambling on the field, you got to know subconsciously, hey, they're rushing to the line. I got to get this ball down and get out of the way because they're trying to, you know, get them all, get them with too many men on the field, offsides, whatever the fuck it is. But it's like, you know, there's just no, like, you don't have football people as referees. You need football people as referees. In a perfect world, you'd never talk about the refs after a game because they did yes. their job perfectly. Exactly. I mean, in reality, there's going to be some judgment calls that are blown, and that's maybe why you got challenge flags. You know, maybe you can cover up for a couple of those mistakes. But in general, I feel like the refs try to take over the game too much. 
And it's, you know, from, from very early on, they kind of set a tone of, are we going to flag every hold? Or are we going to let things slide this game? And, you know, once you establish that, kind of just get the fuck out of the way and let them play. In the I'm never wrong tweets afterwards, too, like like with the Njoku touchdown, and they were talking like an NFL officiating tweet afterwards, we reviewed this and it was inconclusive evidence. No, you know you were fucking wrong. Every announcer in the booth said you were wrong. The only person that agreed with you was the guy that is on the same payroll as you. Like, come on, man. Like, and Chris Collins. Yeah, they're well, all. He hates Baltimore. Chris Collinsworth is a massive Baltimore hater. He's yeah, I mean, Scott, all of those inbred fucks in Kentucky. That's what it is. He's too busy with his, you know, bullshit grading system at PFF to actually, you know, care about football. So he can go fuck himself. To be totally honest. Find that with combination. Anyway, I call that a review of the Browns and Ravens game. Let's fast forward. Well, hold on. We we missed uh we what? missed sending we got we gotta send Ben Powers off the roster, kill him, <laughs> oh, yeah. dump him in the inner harbor, get rid of him. Fucking that guy should never suit up in a Ravens uniform again. Um, you know, you can talk about Lamar Jackson through four interceptions, that sucks, fine, like that's not a good performance. He came out and owned up to it on Twitter afterwards. Fuck a Ben Powers. I never want to see number seventy two on the Ravens fucking taking another snap at left guard again. That guy fucking sucks. Like, please get him off the fucking roster. Ben Cleveland time. He's, and like we I said heard. earlier, like we talked about before, like he had four interceptions, but he legit threw one. Like, I like nothing makes me even even when it happens on our defense. It's like it just sucks, man. Like a tip drill interception, balls floating in the air. It's like, man, that's not on the quarterback. Yeah, I mean, yeah. bad throws happen. Like, their they're, physical mistakes are, you're, I don't know if you want to call it a mental mistake, but, you know, a bad throw that gets tipped, fine. You know, there was one of them that hit the ground that still got called an interception, fine. Yeah. Like, we, we didn't lose because of it, so I'm not going to sit here and lose sleep over four interceptions. I'm not going to pretend like it's okay Lamar threw four interceptions, but at the same time, it's not going to ruin my day. Ben Powers and Alejandro Villanueva getting blown off the line every play so every that Lamar is running – running for his life. Like, there was a – I saw a video on Twitter of fucking Rashad Bateman runs a post over the middle. There's nobody within 10 yards of him. In the end zone? Down. In the end yeah, zone? in the end zone. Yeah. Yeah, he, yep. he, yeah, it was probably from 30 yards out. But Villanueva is getting demolished by Garrett, and so Lamar runs for his life immediately. He doesn't see him. There was another play with Duvernay. It was the same thing. It was Powers got blown off the line, and Lamar doesn't look at Duvernay because he's, you know, the 20-yard downfield option. Instead, he goes for, like, a little outlet pass. It's like when we have useless fucks, especially Ben Powers on the offensive line, and this is what's going to happen, is Lamar's going to miss open receivers. Lamar's going to get happy feet. Lamar's going to hear footsteps. He's going to make stupid throws, and it just makes the offense look that much worse. And that's with pretty much any quarterback. You get consistent pressure yeah. on them, going to struggle. They're going Lamar's, to get- getting, uh, Lamar's getting trashed for four interceptions, but I remember a certain quarterback that wore number five a couple years back that I watched him throw five interceptions quite a few times. What two, two or three times? I'm pretty sure he threw five picks. Now you're right. Now I recall those days. He has a uni, He had a unibrow sometimes and played. Didn't Dungeon hear a beat. Eating McDonald's after getting paid, but nonetheless, I ain't gonna hate on the man for that. But to your point, you two, one. I'm not. Gonna, I'm not necessarily gonna defend Villanueva. I'll play. If you're getting blown up by Miles Garrett, probably the best pass rusher in the NFL. All right, that is what it is. Offense, the offensive coordinator should adjust to that and give you some help. If you've been powers and you get blown up by Malik McDowell, who wasn't yeah. a couple of years ago, like the last year, or Malik Jackson, 
who's not the same player he was in Denver, what the fuck are you doing? Like, Homer Simpson changing his name to Max Power might have proved to be a better left guard than Ben Powers at this point. Like, what the fuck are we doing? Like, ah, get Ben Cleveland yeah. out there or something. Harry yeah. Phillips. Because to be fair, to be fair, and, you know, I was big on him before the draft, Jock is a problem. That dude is a freak. He was fucking everywhere. That entire game, he was everywhere. I was like, man, for a rookie to just come in and, like, like they solely drafted him to stop Lamar. He didn't stop Lamar, but, I mean, he did a pretty damn good job. Sorry well, I get so credit, credit to do with Jock. He did what uh, Derwin James did in that uh, playoff game in 2018, um, where he just kind of spied Lamar the whole game and was following him around. And he didn't get any, you know, highlight plays and getting sacks or anything like that. But he was constantly in Lamar's face and, again, making Lamar feel that pressure. And, you know, Villanueva, he's kind of on my shit list because, again, I mean, Miles Garrett is very good. But, you know, don't get blown off the line every play. Like, please, like, please block my franchise quarterback. I don't want him to die. Like we need him to win games. And Villanueva, he'll have a solid game, but when he like when he fucks up, he fucks up. Like he'll get he'll completely whiff. Or like, you know, like it's like if he doesn't just like, oh man, you know, he just he you know, he fought right by me. He will completely airmail and like leave Lamar out to dry. It's because he's six foot eight and thirty eight years old and he has no uh he, he's not the same, you know, athletic guy that he was before. I feel like he just relies on throwing his size at guys and hoping for the best. And when you're playing, you know, lower tier pass rushers, that works. When you're playing Miles Garrett, that does not work. And you mentioned Derwin James, so I gotta throw this out here. But um, yeah, him and Lamar should be fucking teammates, so we don't have to worry about it. But if there's certain somebody, hey, would it take no, the best no, player on the no, board? No Hayden Hurstling, and that wasn't Dakota. That was uh, Ozzy. So we're we're not gonna. He was letting him control the first. I, I believe it. I don't know. I'm not gonna say Hayden Hurst was a uh, was a was a great player. You know. Any anytime you can draft like a thirty-five-year-old rookie, I'm I'm all on board for that. So, <laughs> and he turned and he turned into J.K. Dobbins, so I, I can't hate the guy. Yeah, he did, but he still could have got J.K. Dobbins the other second-round pick. Yeah, right. you know, mistakes either way. Exactly. So <laughs> let's get to it. It's Steelers Week. It's the week where I listen to a band called Murder, Death, Kill, and I listen to a song in particular because fuck those cunts. The Yins is the Yins, and yeah. Pretty self-explanatory. Fuck that city and fuck all those cunts that wear that uniform. So, Grant, preview the game for me. Well, this is the time of year where I get to use my term yincess because them fucking weirdos had to sit back and watch us just go ahead and mop them. No, I'm just kidding. This game, you just never know. I mean, this is one of those games where, you know, no matter how bad somebody is, look at us. We went out there last year with a peewee team, basically, and took them to the wire. So, I mean, you just never know. Um Anytime you're in Pittsburgh, there's a team that doesn't have any pass interference calls, and they don't ever get them. And there's a favoritism there, in a sense, with those striped guys. Um, but you know, it depends who comes out healthy. I mean, if we, if we, I mean, this whole roster shuffle thing has just been a problem. You know, we have how many corners did we have that were on, didn't practice? It was like the top four, I think. Um, I think so Everett. Averett's the only one to practice. He's on. So, but, I mean, what do we got going out there? Like, what's what? What are we gonna see? Even though they're kind of beat up too, we still got all you know all the IRs. You know, we talk about every week. But you know, Lamar's got to come back. This I could totally see this being a Lamar bounce back game. Um, Steelers pretty good. They're good at covering tight ends. So Mark Andrews is gonna have a little tougher time. 
Um, but I think this could be a Hollywood game. Bateman scores for his first time, I, I'm pretty sure. Um, you know, I could see Devontae Freeman even having a big game this game. This is one of those grind out games. This is gonna be like one of those like dog it's gonna be probably similar to the Browns game. It's it's gonna be ugly. It's not gonna be anything as pretty. Um Big Ben is a shell of himself. So, you know, if we can put pressure, I could see Owe coming out with two and a half, three sacks. You know, because he's got so much speed on the outside that, you know, he's tough to deal with on the edge. Ben isn't Ben anymore. Um, you know, he tends to hold on to the ball a little too long sometimes now. So, you know, he's he drops the ball when he, you know, comes back when his drops. He will do what Baker did and go to pass and let go of the ball and a fumble. So he doesn't hold on to the ball, secure the ball well. So this is a game where, like, you have a lot of strip sacks. You have a lot of opportunities to get the football out and get turnovers. Um, I think the defense balls out, but I do think Lamar has to have a comeback game. Um, I think he does. Um, but for, you know, the best thing about him is he doesn't waver his psyche. So when he has bad games, he does, you know, four interceptions, he comes out and he's like, you know what, I fucked up. You know, that not a lot of people do that. You know, we mentioned before Aaron Rodgers would blame everybody under the sun before he ever even came close to saying, oh, shit, I messed up. But, you know, Lamar's the first one's like, hey, I got to get back in the lab. You know, I got to I got to work better. I look like a rookie. You know, he's not sitting there pouting. He don't go in there. He doesn't throw temper tantrums or anything like that. He just knows he's got to do something better. And that he's like, you know, I got to fix it. And that's that's somebody that I want under center. And I think that he does fix it. I think he balls the fuck out on Sunday. To your point about Devontae Freeman potentially having a big game. Steelers are given the most yards per carry in the NFL right now. Even the Chargers have a better yards to carry average allowed than Pittsburgh. Joe Mixon just went off on him for 28 for a buck 70. And while Devontae Freeman is not Joe Mixon at this point of his career, I mean. He looked good last week. He did. He did. I mean, Pittsburgh has this isn't the Steelers defense of the mid-2000s, even the early 20-teens, when they were stopping the run with Casey Hampton and Brett Kiesel and Aaron Smith and all them. So, this isn't this. That isn't that same defense. So Drew, Ryan Clark enters the chat. Oh, he did enter the chat. Yeah, I'll, he, he's all right on get up though. He yeah, nah. Let's just yeah. Anyways, but, the, and then James Harrison agreed with him. He did. Yeah. I saw that on the sphere. I mean, they, uh, I mean, this is this is a rough week. I mean, fuck the Steelers. Like, I just I, I don't. If we lose the Steelers, it's gonna ruin my whole week. Like, it's just not. I can't handle losing to them. Thankfully, Lamar is even keel. Like we said, you know, he, he comes out and takes ownership. But if you look at his face in a post-game press conference, you wouldn't tell if he threw four interceptions or five touchdowns. So, I mean, he's pretty even keel. I, I hope for a bounce-back game for him. In reality, like two touchdowns, you know, 200 passing and another 75 and a touchdown on the ground probably wins us that game. Yeah. Um, if Cam Hayward's out, that would be huge. Um, Devontae Freeman could have a huge game. Maybe Tyson Williams shows up. Maybe Latavius Murray shows up. Doesn't really matter who it is, but you know, run the ball consistently. Uh, keep the defense off the field as much as possible. Do not let Chase Claypool score because I fucking hate him, and He's do not want to see him succeed. Yeah, him, him, and the fucking you know the TikTok dance star. Like both of them can go fuck off. Um, Deontay Johnson is probably is a problem. Uh, he'll yeah. he'll be kind of a uh, you know one to watch. I think he's going to kind of you know get his catches, but if we can just get him down after the catch, then that's fine. Um, the good thing with the Steelers, too, is that their secondary makes plays on deep balls. If Lamar gets the ball out quick and kind of gives the ball to um, Hollywood in space, it's kind of one of those games where you can take a slant, you know, a 10-yard slant for an 80-yard touchdown, and hopefully the same for Bateman. 
Um, it would be great to watch Ravens come out and, you know, uh, a statement, you know, 21-plus point win against the Steelers. I'm not sure that's going to happen because, you know, like we said, it doesn't matter when these teams match up. It's going to be ugly and somebody's going to win in, you know, the last five minutes of the game. And I have faith in that being us. But, you know, anything can happen. If the defense plays like it has the last three weeks, I think we're in good shape. Um, you know, I hope OA takes over the uh, ass ownership of Ben Roethlisberger that Terrell Suggs had for all those years. So, uh, I don't know. I, I'm expecting a, a win. I'm expecting an ugly win, but something that we can come back next week and not be pissed off at half the roster over. Yeah, and like we talked about earlier, too, you know, a big part of the defense playing better has been the middle of the field. You know, Patrick Queen's been balling out. You know, he's really stepped it up. Um, you know, people say he's he moved to the weak side. He doesn't he doesn't cert formations, but he's still like I think week week even came out and said it. He's still the mic. But, you know, it, placing him on the weak side, giving him more space and more ability to use his athleticism has been a key part of what they are doing, especially on their blitz packages. And, you know, the way that he stepped up, it just shows you the importance of the middle of the defense. And like what we were so spoiled with with Ray Lewis for all those years is the fact that, you know, even C.J. Mosley, you know, in, in the fact that like when Patrick Queen plays bad, look how bad our defense is. Like it even sets up the secondary too, you know, where, you know, you have to leave them on islands. You have to leave them in certain zone aspects where then you have your middle of the field, not being able to cover it all. So, I mean, you know, he's really stepped it up and if he balls, he has opportunity to ball out. Najee Harris does make me a little nervous in the passing game because, you know, the screens give us problems sometimes, but all in all, I think that queen has athleticism to neutralize that. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, you mentioned Deontay Johnson. I, I'm a fan of his, actually. I think he's a baller. Um, he, he fills in the role of, you know, where the Steelers had Santonio Holmes. They had Antonio Brown. They had Emmanuel Sanders. They had, you know, um, you know, the way that they just keep carrying it on. And Deontay Johnson's that next guy in line. That's that speedster runs great, quick routes, you know, shifty gets the ball. He's gone. You know, that type of receiver, which big Ben has always thrived with. And, you know, Friar too, you know, I've been big on him since the draft and he's, he's a baller. He's a gamer. And he, and with the fact that we struggle with tight ends, you know, he's somebody to watch too in the passing game. Cause he's been lighting it up the past couple of weeks, especially since Ebron's been out and he's been getting all the snaps. Yeah, I mean, Ebron thought he was the best tight end in the AFC North when he came over here. <laughs> he not, yeah. He's my Tar Heel, but he's, he says some wild shit sometimes. He is an absolute moron. And again, him going to the Steelers made me hate him 10 times more than I did before. Yeah, I mean, the thing with Deontay Johnson, as long as we kind of bracket him and, you yeah. know, he's going to get his catches, as long as you keep them to uh, – he runs a 10-yard route, you tackle him after 10 yards and just kind of call it a day there. I think he's fine. Najee Harris doesn't worry me as much because Ben has been terrible on short balls this year. And so I feel like, you know, even if we struggle to cover screens, Ben will kind of cover our ass with missing those throws. Um, He has just not been good with that all year. I expected Najee Harris to kind of run away with offensive rookie of the year. And Ben just cannot get him the ball. And their offensive line is fucking terrible, so he's got nobody to run he's by. He's so talented, too, man. You watch yeah, him yeah. when he gets the ball in his hands, and he's just, he does everything. He's physical. He's elusive. He's got acceleration. Like, he, I mean, he's he's a tough cat. I hated the fact he went there. And I, I mean, we all knew he was going to go there, but I fucking hated the fact he went there. Yeah, I was okay with him going there because they didn't do anything with their line. So I was like, all right, yeah. like he's, got, he's got nobody to run behind, and Ben can't throw anymore. And I just think that, you know, again, Patrick Queen has been huge. I'm hoping, you know, a combination of him 
you know, Brandon Williams being there to step up the middle as the Malik's back too, isn't he? Isn't Malik back this week? Yeah, supposedly. Again, he got shot three weeks ago, so I don't know how much we can expect out of him. But you know, he's my guy. Like Malik. Yeah. Well, he hits hard, and he's the kind yeah. of guy that would fuck up Najee Harris's day up the middle. And so I want to see our 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 boy uh, our Darius Washington get a shot finally. I mean, I uh, he's I'm... on he's on IR. Oh, I thought he oh, I thought he was coming back this game. Yeah, no, it's uh, he's done for the year now. So again, another secondary guy that's down. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is going to be a big brain. This is going to be a big big brain. He's been like playing well. Right. He's he's actually ex- way exceeded my expectation. The he's had many mistakes, him, but he he's yeah, made some plays. He, he takes some very bad angles to make tackles on plays that if somebody's throwing it right at him and he's, yeah. you know, he's the primary guy on the ball, he's fine. It's when he's kind of the secondary backup guy that you can tell he just doesn't really understand. He, he does it like a running back where he tries to go around everything instead of just kind of going to it and disrupting the play. And that's that fine. just shows you know, the transition of the speed of the game, like from college yeah. to NFL. I think that's just a lot of what that is, is just adjusting to the speed of the game. Yeah, I mean, he's been much better than expected. I, I did not expect a lot out of him having to take over for Elliott, but he's done very well. Um, you know, and if Chuck Clark doesn't have any fuck-ups this week, that would be great, too. Again, you know, Earl Thomas was right. Um, Chuck Clark is a fucking moron and doesn't understand how to align defenses, and that's fine. Uh, it hasn't burned us the last couple – well, burned us on the Andy Dalton play, but, again, it hasn't come back to haunt us in terms of losses the last couple weeks. I'm hoping that that stays to be the case. But again, if Chuck Clark fucks up another coverage, like I'm going to fight him in the locker room and I'm going to go punch him in the locker room. And then, you know, they can cut me like I'm Earl. They can give me a $10 million payout too for that too. So, Right. Nah, that's the truth. But anyway, even to you guys' point before, these games are always close no matter who's in the roster. Who's on the roster. I mean, you can go back to 2015 when we beat them in Baltimore with Ryan Mallett and you can go back to the years they beat us with Charlie Batch or – the overtime games we've played against each other with backup quarterbacks, whether it be Byron Leftwich or Mason Rudolph a couple of years ago. I think they had Mike. I think we had an overtime game with Mike Vick under center for them at one point too. Same season too, 2015. That was like of that injury riddled year where you lose Joe Flacco, Steve Smith, Justin Forsett, Ralph Suggs, and was it 19 guys in IR that year? The one on right spot yeah. is sweeping the Pittsburgh Steelers. That was it. Didn't that make was, up for the entire season, but it, it was it was a it was a good note to be like, you know what, we're gonna have a shit year. At least we swept their asses. So anyway. if you're gonna go five, if you're gonna go five and eleven in the Steelers twice, I can. Anyway, before we go, we had we had this question last year with Max moderating. So I'll ask you, Drew, do you have a single favorite moment? From this rivalry, not necessarily just all the wins, because that's obvious, but a single moment, a single game that you look upon most favorably. That's tough. I loved Haloti Nada breaking Ben Roethlisberger's nose. That was great. Um, probably the Tory Smith game winner. Uh, that's yeah. probably, that's the one that sticks out the most for me. Um, again, anytime you can beat the Steelers in that kind of fashion with a guy that you took early, it's just you know icing on the cake for me. Yeah, I guess it's got to be between anytime Ben Roethlisberger gets hurt or um, you know the the Torrey Smith game winner. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Torrey Smith was my pick last year. Then I believe it was the Thighmaster game where Suggs caught the interception between yep. his legs, which was nice. But hell, going back to a certain play where Roethlisberger got put on his ass, I still remember how pissed I got when Courtney Upshaw gave him a very clean hit in the pocket, rocked his shit, 
and then Ed Hockey Lee throws rough and throws the rough in the passer on him. So like, how? He's 270 pounds getting put on his back. This wasn't before this was before Aaron Rodgers had his collarbone broken. What the fuck is wrong with you? That is not a foul, you piece of shit at hockey league. I was seething that day. But I think we won that game with twenty seven to six, some shit like that. So Yeah, that was a pretty big win. And I, I look if you wanna if OA wants to come you know, come around the corner and hit Robsberger late five times and put him on his ass, I'm I'm okay with that. Like any yeah. anything you can do to fuck with that guy, I'm I'm totally cool with. There are very few athletes that I hate more than Ben Roethlisberger, and any time that I can watch him writhing in pain on the ground would be, you know, uh, I'm happy. So, absolutely, the feeling is mutual right here. That fuck that fat cunt, um, <laughs> fuck that entire organization, fuck Permandy Bros. Still never been to Pittsburgh. Eventually, I'll go there and watch Don't all do the. It. Don't, yeah. do it. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't be an asshole in my fucking dressed in all purple to piss off Yins and all that good shit. Oh, no, no, no. I'm saying for your own sanity, like, it's just if, if you do end up going to Pittsburgh, you know, if you do end up taking a trip there, make it a day trip, there, there's nothing else to do besides go to a game. It, it's okay. it's just, yeah, it's kind of like a waste of your time. Like, if you're going to come out this way, you know, try to go to a better city would be my uh, my recommendation. I'm going to keep that in mind, absolutely. But anywho, that's going to do it for us for this week. We'll be back at some point with another episode. Let's hope this doesn't become another hidden one. Looking at you, Max. In the meantime, I'm here to make a noise. Grant Durflinger, Jake Miller, the infamous Drew. Zone, Zone 32.